When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to this special post-game edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score. Jay, I got good news for you, buddy. We're covering a Blackhawks victory today. The Blackhawks beat the Oilers 6-4 to in Game 1 of the Stanley Cup qualifying round. Is that what we're calling it? 7-4. No, Patrick. 7-4, James. Did they actually score an empty netter? Because Patrick yes. Kane's goal got X'd out. It, what? Yeah, Patrick Kane's goal got waved off because of the oh offside, bro. Yep, see? Jay doesn't <laughs> even what, know the score of the game. This is what happens when I head downstairs like seven <laughs> seconds early. That, to me, was the indicator of like, all right, I can finally relax. Nope, nope they waved the goal off, Jay. Sorry. Well, thanks for joining us here on Hot Mike. I know some people are going to be listening to this podcast after it's on Hot Mike, so this is a normal podcast. If you don't know what we're talking about, we are doing a live post-game show on Hot Mike, so thank you. I see we have 25 viewers already. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, feel free, by the way, to hit up that tip jar. We're very happy to uh, you know take those tips. We appreciate it. Uh, follow us, madhousepod at gmail.com is the email. The Twitter is at madhousepod. Facebook, Madhouse Hockey Shy, and then we're on Instagram at Madhouse underscore pod so lots of good to talk about this 6-4 win not 7-4 win uh dominic kubalik was amazing that whole top line was great some other players maybe we didn't expect to step up played pretty well too and a couple little things to be concerned about as well we're going to get to all of it uh but man what a game uh after the start where you know edmonton scores on the power play very quickly into the game it was like oh boy here we go and uh, then all of a sudden, five on five, the Hawks start taking over and truly dominated the game at five on five. They were the better team five on five. There was no doubt about it. And James, we've been talking about it for it seems like three months now as we've been planning for the series. Stay out of the box. Beat the Edmonton Oilers. The Oilers scored three power play goals today and they, another empty netter, which, you know, goal with an empty net, which is basically another power play. Yep. If they stay at five on five, they are the better team. 
Clearly. And I mean, when they were five on five today, I don't know if you noticed this or if this was just something that I kind of made up in my own mind. But Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid felt invisible when this game was five on five. I barely noticed that they were on the ice. And I know that we had talked a lot about the Oilers. They do have some depth, you know, despite the fact that Dreisaitl and McDavid were so far and away their leading scorers. But to see it play out today maybe that depth isn't quite the potential strength that we thought it was because I just was not blown away by the way the Oilers were approaching either their offense or their defense, frankly, at even strength. And yes, when they get on the power play, they are downright lethal. They it's are unreal. so dangerous on the power play. And that's obviously something that the Blackhawks are going to have to try really hard to avoid, which, by the way, one way to avoid that is don't freaking take too many men on the ice penalties a minute and a half to the game. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean that that's I was so frustrated when that happened. It was like they're going to score. They, they've again, we've been talking about it for months. Stay out of the box, beat the Oilers and you take a too many men penalty game and sure enough it ends up right in the net McDavid with an absolute snipe. But you're right. At 5 on 5 and look, it's one game. I want to get ahead of myself. I also don't want to jinx it, but Dreisaitl and McDavid were pretty ordinary at five on five. They didn't do much. And you got to give credit to Jonathan Taves. You got to give credit to David Kampf, who had a pretty solid defensive game. And I'm going to get to it. I think Alex Nylander had a pretty solid game. Put Zach Cassian of on course his ass. You, you're going to go ahead and get on the Nylander bandwagon here. You're going to tell band- us all about no. how great he is. You know what? G- go ahead, Jay. I'll let you take that bandwagon. I'm not it's- jumping on. It's not a bandwagon. I'm. We are calling it as we see it. I think he had a solid game. The preseason game the other day, or whatever you call it, exhibition game, he was bad. He was doing too much, but he played kind of a heavy game today. He was taking the body. He was, again, not Zach Cassian, who's a big dude, on his ass, and he kept it simple. He used his skill, and he kept the game simple, and he was effective. Uh, so, look, I, I, I'm pretty pleased with the overall performance of the game. They've got to figure out how to at least slow down the Oilers' power play. It was at 30% during the regular season, okay? It shouldn't be at 100% or 80% <laughs> or whatever it was today. That can't You cannot win that way. You're not going to score six goals every game. That's just not going to happen. Uh, now they saw the Mike Smith experiment failed. That's probably the last we're going to see him in the series. So they're going to have to find a way to slow down this power play uh, that's going to be the biggest challenge in winning this thing. But again, five on five, the Hawks looked terrific. They yeah. looked faster. They looked more engaged. And I, it's very hard for me to be critical other than stay the F out of the box. And if you are in the box, try to kill the penalty. Please. <laughs> it's just like, they're like, oh, well, all right, well, just score. Cause that's what you do anyway. We're not really going to try, but that that's really the only complaint I have. I mean, sure that I'm not hugely, obviously the penalty kill was not great today. The one thing I was a little bit concerned about too, is I wasn't overly enamored with how Corey Crawford looked in this game. I don't know if I'm going to be the only one saying that, but I just, it seemed to me, it's not like he wasn't like awful. He just very clearly to me, at least he looked rusty. I thought he kind of lost steam a little bit as the game went on, which is to be expected. He hasn't played a full 60 minutes since March. And Oh, by the way, is just getting over coronavirus. Like, so this is completely understandable, but at the same time, 
pretty obvious to me that he was a little bit rusty and I thought some of his uh, moves in the crease today were not great. I thought that the fourth goal, especially or the third and fourth goals, I was kind of wondering what exactly he was doing. He looked a little bit lost. So that's something that I do want to keep an eye on as this series goes on. And I know this afterglow of this game is going to be how amazing Dominic Kubelik was and how locked in Jonathan Taves looked and how like just quick they look at even strength. And that's all great stuff. That Corey Crawford thing though, that's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. I really hope he can bounce back with a little bit better effort in game two, because they're probably going to need it because that's going to be a desperate and hungry Edmonton team on Monday night. For sure. And he did look a little bit slow. He looked a little bit out of it. To me, the concerning goal was that second one. There was a scramble and he lost his stick. And then it was like, he was more concerned with with retrieving a stick than he was getting across and making the save. Right. I don't know if he thought the puck had gone out of play or if he thought the play was over. And I know that you could just see it throughout the game. The feel of playing in that atmosphere definitely had an effect on people. Like it was it was weird. It didn't quite. I watched the Rangers and Hurricanes earlier, and that felt at least presentation wise a little bit better, a little bit more real. This game felt kind of quiet, kind of. There wasn't a lot of atmosphere going on. I think that does play a role. And, and Eddie Olchek mentioned it on the uh, exhibition game against the Blues that uh, Eric Johnson from the Apple said it's really hard to find, you know, the adrenaline to get going when you're playing in an empty arena. And I think that that definitely played a role. And the, the other part of it, the point I was trying to make was maybe things seem like they've died down and Crawford just assumed the puck was out of play. I have no idea what he was doing on that. That second goal tries to yeah. get a stick. He's got his back turned to the crease and he, picks up and he's like oh damn it. <laughs> oh wait that just went in i need that thing up oh, oh no the puck uh, uh speaking of bad goaltending can we uh take a moment to revel in the utter horribleness of mike smith today because yeah. good lord mike smith it did not look good i'm just gonna go yeah. ahead and I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna come out with that hot take i hope that <laughs> that didn't offend anybody but uh not not mike smith's best afternoon that passed to nowhere that Dylan Strom just kind of picked up and went, Hey, thanks for that, buddy. The only way that could have been better is if Dylan Strom then fired it off of Mike Smith's ass to score. And Oh wait, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. So instantly became just, that was like chef's kiss. And I think that's going to play a lot better on a hot mic, by the way, because everybody was able yeah. to see me give the chef's Everybody's kiss. It, it was, mm, it was, so, it was that was so hockey porn right there is what that was. Well, I uh, got a note here from Nate. He says, per natural stat trick, Alex Nylander was minus 11.82 Corsi for relative, minus 17.94 Fenwick for that. That's great. But the eye test showed me that Alex Nylander was making things happening happen offensively. He's not out there for his defense. That's not your checking line. Uh, you know, but he generated some scoring chances, and that's all I want from that guy. Right. You know, I, I don't expect him to go be a shutdown forward. He will never be that. Patrick Kane, his line mate, is not that. Patrick Kane traditionally always finishes down in possession because he's trying to score. He's cheating up the zone, you know, and, and all he needs is a shot or two to get that goal. But you'll see offensive only players get housed in possession right. all the time. Look, I'm not saying that Alex Nylander by any means is now my favorite Blackhawk or that I think it was a good trade or anything. But I think after one game, he was pretty solid. I think it was a solid playoff debut for him. Nowhere near the level it was for Dominic Kubelik. Uh, who we'll get to here, but uh, I, I think overall 
when I saw that he was back in the lineup after the performance against the Blues, I, I was a little bit worried. I was happy with his performance. If that's what he's going to provide game after game, then fine. I can use him as a, I know he's in the top six technically, but right. he's not a guy you think of as your top six. <clears throat> All right. We got to get to it. I mean, Dominic so you Kubelik, mean the story of the day? Yeah. Dominic Kubelik <laughs> with five points, uh, whiffed on a one-timer late that could have been another goal. I believe he hit a post, too, at one point. The dude was absolutely on fire. That shot is lethal. Mm-hmm. Probably the best shot on the team. Uh, and look, every second that goes by, he's making more money. <laughs> and it's like i saw a commenter earlier i'm sorry if i missed it one of the commenters on the chat here on hot mike said um is kubalik sealing sod's fate i don't know Ooh. and it's you know losing brandon sod is tough he had a good game too and that's a guy who was effective in the playoffs a power forward but they've got to find a way to get dominic kubalik signed here because this dude's dynamic the 30 goals were not a fluke right and well- man he's just a sniper Well, like I was saying uh, the other day after the exhibition game, it is so blatantly clear to me how good Dominic Kubelik's hockey IQ is. And we saw that on so many levels today when they won that puck battle on their first power play and he passed it to Jonathan Tabes in front of the net. It was a no look pass. He knew exactly where that outlook needed to the, the outlet pass needed to go found him perfectly. He constantly is finding himself in really good uh, spots on the ice. He's constantly able to get open. And then, like you said, you pair all of that IQ and all of that speed with that friggin' insane wrist shot that he has that top shelf goal that he scored on the power play today. Whew, it gave me the vapors, <laughs> Jay Zawoski. It Do you I need to fan you. I need I need the uh, fainting couch is what I need. But he it was just unreal watching him combine that hockey IQ and that skill. And he honestly has been doing that more and more lately. And I pointed this out and I love this. He had 16 assists in the regular season. And then he had three in the first 13 minutes today. Like (laughs) so nuts, dude. Yeah, but well, you put a do with good line mates, and look what happens. I mean, when he's not the the only guy in the line performing offensively, it's it's a hell of a thing. But that top line was terrific. Taves was terrific. Man, I I'm very very pleased with the way this game went. Everybody should be, but you know, towards the end, the score effect sort of kicked in, and the mm-hmm. took a couple of penalties. Like David Camp, just keep that stick down. I know it's you know you're gonna <laughs> take a hit, but you gotta yep. remember, an offense this lethal is never out of it. With number ninety seven out there. The game's never over. And I tweeted, I think after the second period, like I, I refuse to get comfortable in this game. Yep. And I was not comfortable until <laughs> well, they, that horn they sounded. Went, uh, they went Cubs bullpen on us is what they did. I, oh, yes. <laughs> um, I did see a, a message in the chat. I do want to make sure that we're getting to some of these. Uh, a couple of people have mentioned Alex DeBrincat. Uh, so far, uh, yeah. mostly like kind of like I didn't notice him a lot on the ice tonight. I didn't really either. Did you like he? It seemed no. like he kind of had a pretty pedestrian game. But then again, everybody kind of looked pedestrian compared to that first line. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to go ahead and say probably like middle of the road to just below average, probably for Debrinket. I didn't notice him a lot tonight. Well, I actually made a mental note of that, and I said, well, you know, Debrinket hasn't done much. And then late in the third, he did get a couple decent chances, and he kind of. He made a couple plays there. He, what I did notice was him getting clobbered a lot. Mm-hmm. Like he, he was taking a lot of big hits. There was one, I think it was in the first period, 
along the boards there where he got smashed. So, I mean, look, he's a little dude. That's going to happen. Um, but there were, I, I'm not worried about him. No, not, of course not. No, 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 no. I never am worried about yeah. Zabrinkit, honestly. I feel like he, he's one of those guys that I feel like even if you don't notice him, he tends to do little things right here and there, like whether it's winning like the puck in the neutral zone or whatever. Like it's not something that I'm like, oh boy, I got to pay more attention to Zabrinkit. He's not doing it. I think it's just a product of the line placement that he had tonight and just the fact that he was outshone so brightly by multiple other forwards. I think that out of the list of concerns coming out of this game, I would say that Jabrinkit's probably lower on my list than, say, the penalty kill or Corey yeah. Crawford. I think those are probably the two big things. We did have Nate pointed out to us, by the way, Jabrinkit was only a 71% Fenwick today. So clearly you and I are both just idiots. We don't know anything. Well, look, you know, we believe in the numbers, right? Like, definitely. Yeah. But sometimes your eyes aren't lying to you either. You know, your numbers are effective. Your line mates as well. Uh, I, I don't think it, it makes sense to be a slave to the eye test or stats. Right. Necessarily. And, and you and I also were not saying like negative things about to bring it. We just were pointing out he wasn't really noticeable tonight, right. which, which can be a good thing because it means he's not screwing up constantly. Sure. Absolutely. All right. We got to mention our sponsors. I know we're doing a live podcast, but want to thank our friends at Fry the Coop. Frythecoop.com. Go get the best damn hot chicken you will ever have. I've told you about the uh, chicken tenders. I told you about the donut sandwich. Everything there is good. The key is that honey butter. Oh, my uh. God. That stuff is absolutely unreal. Check out frythecoop.com for all their locations. Check out their menu. Uh, but you're not going to want to miss out. If you're a fan of hot chicken or even if you're not in the hot chicken, you could just get the chicken the country style. You'll just have the best chicken sandwich you've ever had. Sands Nashville hot ingredients. Frythecoop.com. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. Uh, I do want to spend a little bit more time on uh, Corey Crawford a little bit. Sure. And very understandable that I think we all kind of expected his first game to be a little tough. They talked about every player on the ice sort of trying to find their rhythm, find their timing. And Corey Crawford returned to practice last week. Hasn't seen a bunch of pucks. Hasn't been on the ice. Uh, probably still is not fully 100% recovered from COVID because they say that, I mean, it goes patient to patient, but sometimes the recovery period can be months. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, there were some moments of concern, but then there were some moments where he made huge saves. The thing that makes Corey Crawford, the good goalie he is, is his positioning more often than not, he's just in the right place. And that, that kind of doesn't go away, but it was when the puck got away, when the, Pucks were loose in the crease. That's where I saw Corey start to flounder a little bit. And it's a small, a small call for concern, but I'm not, I'm not freaking out about it just yet. It's just something to pay attention to. I think that going into the series, that was one of the big concerns was whether or not Corey Crawford was going to be at a hundred percent, was going to be able to withstand the rigors, honestly, of playing potentially five hockey games in nine days because remember at the end of this series if this thing goes the full five they play back-to-back -back days to end this thing so yeah it's good you got to be real careful i think with him got to make sure that he's good obviously the blackhawks wouldn't have put him out there if they didn't think that based on practices and exhibition that he looked good i thought he looked good in that blues exhibition for the record i know he only played 30 minutes but i thought his movement was fine he wasn't tested a lot i think that probably was the biggest difference tonight is that that edmonton team is so quick they can 
spraying so many opportunities on you so quickly. I think that's really going to reveal any deficiencies in conditioning. And Corey Crawford's one of those guys that I think once he gets back up to speed, he's going to be fine. It's just a matter, you know, of how long it's going to take. It's worth keeping an eye on. Uh, William here in the chat asked us if we think that Subban gets a start in game two. I don't think so. No. I don't think so at all. I, I think if, uh, you know, unless something disastrous happens with Corey Crawford, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't think his performance today was disastrous. They had three power play goals. One, they scored with an extra man. Um, there were some moments where Corey looked like uh, a little bit rusty. I think that can be expe- expected. I really do. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not panicked about it. But it's something to keep an eye on, you know, and, and it's it's huge that they won game one. Uh, Eddie Olchek's been saying and he's made this uh, analogy like 70 times since he's re- reappeared on my TV. <laughs> it's not a must win. It's an MUS win. And I'm about to cross the T. I've heard him say that probably five or six times since uh, Eddie Olchek returned to TV. But Strowski would probably uh, go to. Is he in is he in Connecticut right now? Is that where Edzo is broadcasting from? I think. Yeah, he- uh, I think Joe Ostrowski is probably on his way out there because I know that's one of his big bugaboos is he hates the term must win games for games that are not elimination games. By the way, I was on the score this morning with Steve Rosenblum and Mark Grody and Rosenblum said that game one is the easiest game to win. <laughs> I think it's because I think it's because there's still a lack of familiarity is probably what I would guess. Don't have the familiarity. So that obviously is it can benefit the team that is kind of the underdog because they the favorite doesn't quite know how they're going to be attacked. I would guess that's at least part of it. And then I'm assuming that what ends up happening is that the better team over the span of five or seven games, the percentages would indicate they would probably win more of those games. And so the odds may be tilt in your favor a little bit if you're the favorite. I find it very difficult to get into the mind of Steve Rosenblum sometimes, but that was my <laughs> best attempt at it. Yeah, it's not a place you want to be. It's not right. a place you want to spend a lot of time. They suck, so I don't have to. Yeah, it's a weird place. All right, here's another thing. I was, uh, you know, d- during intermissions, you're sort of surfing around on social media and you see certain comments. And uh, one of my buddies, who's a big Hawks fan, made a comment about, like, the Hawks overcame Jeremy Cowden. Like, at what point does he get a little credit? You know, mm. like, I'm not saying that this win is because of Jeremy Cowton's brilliance, but I feel like people are so, like, it's everything but him. Like, him. They just overcame Jeremy Cowton because of the too many men on the ice penalty. But what was Joel Quenville's like, most common <laughs> maddening penalty but the too many men on the ice thing? I mean, I, I look. The lines made sense. They worked. The matchups made sense. They worked. And remember, the Oilers had last change yeah. in this game, and that was an advantage they were supposed to have, and the Hawks dominated this game at five-on-five. Five. So what we- you're telling me here is that I should be more complimentary of Jeremy Colleton and less critical of Dave Tippett, who apparently decided that his game plan did not need to come up with a way to stop Tave, Sod, and Kubelik because... They basically were like, yeah, we'll just kind of let whatever happens with that line happen. You have the matchup advantage. You have to try to dictate it. Unless Edmonton just does not have a shutdown line at all, it did not look like they had any clue on how to stop that line tonight. No, they sure didn't. And you can be critical of Tippett and praise Cowan at the same time. It could be both. It could be both. You know, I turned off my light, by the way, because I was like flashing. I don't know if yeah. you were noticing me flashing. So it was, I think that's it was what pretty it was. crazy. Yeah, I was flashing. 
if the, <laughs> if the Hawks win the series, I'll do that. I will flash everybody on hot mic. Wow. But yeah. You have that to look forward to not only losing to potentially losing the number one overall pick. You also get to see me flash you. Um, can I go back into the chat and pull out another uh, statistic that a listener, uh, Nate, pointed this out to me? I wanted to get your take on this, Jay, because I thought it was interesting. Time on ice in this game. Jonathan Tabe, 17 minutes and two seconds. Kirby Doc, 19 minutes and nine seconds. Do you read anything into Kirby Doc getting more ice time? Than Jonathan Taves and in fact had more ice time than any forward not named Patrick Kane in this game. Uh, that is surprising to me. That is definitely surprising to me. Uh, I heard an interview with Stan Bowman today. Uh, he was on, well, I can say ESPN 1000 because I'm not in the score right now. Uh, he was on their hockey show. What a concept. Um, and mentioned that now is the time for these young guys to step up. Now is the time for these young guys to get opportunity to take that next step in their career. And without saying it, there was sort of an acknowledgement of we're playing with house money here, right? We're, we're not supposed to be here. We were not a playoff team. We did not earn a playoff spot. Mm -hmm. So why not take advantage of this? Why not give these young players every opportunity to thrive? And looking at game one, Kirby Doc got that opportunity. Adam Boquist was out there a lot and I thought was pretty good. Um, let the kids play. Dominic Kubelik, hell, he's 24 years old. Five points. I mean, I want to point the, out, by the way, Dominic Kubelik had the least time on ice at even strength today out of any Blackhawks forward. He only he played eight, need it. eight minutes and 40 seconds at even strength tonight. They wanted to keep it fair, my friend. <laughs> if Kubelik was out there too long, it would have been 400 to nothing. I just thought that was kind of wild that like I was because I was looking at it and I think I may have a theory as to what probably happened here. It looks like Jonathan Taves since he was splitting so much time between the power play and shorthanded, he played over five minutes on the power play, played two and a half minutes shorthanded. It looks like Colleton probably pared back some of his even strength uh, time, I'm guessing. Probably well, only put him out there for like face-off wins and stuff like that. I think that that probably ended up being something where if Colleton had the option, he was putting out Doc in those even strength situations just to kind of save Taves' legs maybe a little well, bit. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the advantage of being up big as they were for the vast majority of the game. Mm -hmm. And uh, Nate here says, he says, Doc looked great for a 19-year-old kid out there, bodied up grown-ass men, blew by four guys, showed great possession at times. Yes, you could see he got stronger over the break. And I think what a lot of us forget, I forgot this myself. Remember, Kirby Doc did not have a training camp. He got mm -hmm. concussed in the Traverse City thing, missed almost all of camp and came team for the season. Didn't have that opportunity to work with the team and started. He just started the season. And as the thing went on, he got better and better, better. This break gave him the chance to build some strength, build some speed. And it was clear out there. You're yeah. right. Like one thing we said all season, and when I was doing Lockdown Blackhawks, I talked about every game that once a game, Kirby Doc would get smoked. He had taken over the Marcus Kruger role of getting absolutely yep. <laughs> like once a game getting de-skated once, you know, it happened every game, it seemed. And adding that size, adding that speed. And look, just like we're not slaves to numbers or the eye test, um, confidence matters. That's the thing. These are human beings. Oh, yeah. And you could see. Kirby Doc is feeling himself mm -hmm. right now. He knows how good he is. He can see how good he's playing, and he's probably feeling like, holy cow, I'm 
I'm clearly stronger. I'm clearly faster. I can feel it. I can sense it. And just that feeling of I've made a turn. Something has happened with me where I've made this turn and become a better player. That that adds a lot. Confidence is a huge factor. You see guys that just don't believe out there and it's a struggle, mm-hmm. I, you know, and, and look, I, I love the way Kirby Doc's coming along. Uh, man, just the sky's the limit for this kid. If he keeps developing at the pace that it looks like he might, they've got another superstar on their hand. That's it's great. I do have to ask a question since we're on the uh, topic of Kirby Doc. We got to talk about the power play at least a little bit, I think. Yeah. What What was the big difference to you in this game for the power play as opposed to some of the struggles that, oh, I don't know, we always see from the Blackhawks power play? It always seems like they're just objectively terrible and like yeah. make you want to like rip your own hair out. What was so different tonight? Well, I think part of it was the the entries were better. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. they weren't as complex. That that and they did it a couple times. That slingshot entry. This season, though, they were hell bent on that entry. That's all they cared about was like, <laughs> all right, get it back and try to. And then inevitably, four players would meet up at the blue line, knock the puck away, rinse, repeat. Right. Right. They got the puck in the zone. They moved it quickly. There weren't a lot of guys standing around. There was a lot of motion yep. with the power play. When the power play is active. It's way more effective. And look, you've got Kubelik, Doc, Taves, Kane, DeBrinkit, Boquist. These are all elite offensive players. Right. And to have them standing around doesn't accomplish much. To have it constantly around, that's to me, that was the big difference. I think prior to this, I, you know, we lose track of time, but when it was all predicated on Patrick Kane controlling the puck along the boards, I get why you do that. It's Patrick effing Kane, mm-hmm. but like it's easy to stop. If he doesn't make something happen magical, then they're not going to score. This involves everybody. Everybody touches the puck. Everybody's moving around and it's way more effective. And it's, it's tougher to defend when there's, when everybody's moving. There were like two elements that I thought were really interesting watching the power play tonight. One obviously is Kirby doc being in front of the net because then that forces Jonathan Taves into these roles that he's probably not necessarily used to. Mm-hmm. Cause usually that area in front of the net's kind of where he's at. So you see him along the boards a lot more and he get, he can freelance a little bit more. I thought that was really interesting. And I liked the way that Jonathan Taves approached that. And I thought he got into some really good areas tonight on the power play and obviously scored a goal on the man advantage like that to me was a very interesting development. And then just the puck movement at the point alone was worth watching tonight, especially Duncan Keith, I thought had a really good eye for what the Blackhawks needed to do. I saw him in so many different positions tonight. He was always in the right place at the right time. And Edmonton's penalty kill really struggled with the way that the Blackhawks structure kind of kept like mutating and changing on these power plays. and. Lo and behold, Duncan Keith was able to get shots on target. It was a miracle. <laughs> Praise Jesus. And yeah. it, it was it was truly great to watch that because that was like vintage Duncan Keith. That was vintage. That's what that power play is supposed to look like. It's supposed to move the puck effectively, even when the knuckleheads in the 300 level would be screaming, shoot. Which, by the way, they need to add that to the audio track for the uh, crowd noise. It doesn't feel real without it. 
you need people <laughs> yelling shoot on power plays. Otherwise, it just it doesn't do it for me. Yeah, so, it's not the same. I, I, was, I thought I thought that puck movement by the defense was great, especially on the power play tonight. Uh, I was wondering if they had a Bronx cheer programmed into the sound effects machine for like a, <laughs> like a sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, you know, I get the concept of like trying to zoom in fans. It's not working for me, dude. It's just, it's just always, uh, every time I see it, I just want to like curl up into my, like, oh, it's so awkward. Like, yeah, let's go Oilers. Woo. We're all in our living room. Like, no, just stop. <laughs> I appreciate the effort. It's just, it's just not working. And it's just a reminder. of Why are you hate, Why living. are you hating on fans, Jay? That's clearly what this is. I'm hating on the concept of showing fans in her living room. That's, it just doesn't work. It's not working. I don't think it's working. What, would, what would they have done if. Uh, Kubalik or Tabes had scored a hat trick. What was the uh, plan for that? <laughs> Maybe there's like a hat cannon. I suggested the hat <laughs> cannon the other day. I was like, you need to have a hat cannon shoot these things. I gave the NHL this free idea. I have yet to hear back from Gary Bettman. And frankly, I'm a little bit offended. You know what? They've done everything right up to this point. Maybe they do have. Maybe they're just waiting to surprise people with a hat cannon. That would be. Oh my God! How funny would that be? I'm I'm pretty sure that Jay would vault Gary Bettman over. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> you would vault him over uh, Adam Silver on Jay's uh, commissioner power rankings. Yes, I just know that Rob Manford's at the bottom of that list. <laughs> yeah, and continuously digging himself lower. It's quite remarkable, actually. It is, it is very remarkable. You know what else is remarkable? I James? was gonna. I was actually gonna say I want to talk about something else like this. But yes, I'm gonna uh, guess you're going with Marishka's. I am going with Marishka's. Boom! Re- remarkable poor boy sandwiches from our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. They're family owned and operated since 19. 19- 33 we talk about the poor boys all the time but they've got everything on the menu is terrific james's favorite is the yodel burger uh the steaks the chops i love the uh giant like literal canoe full of onion rings <laughs> they like takes like three people to like Ugh! put it on your table when you order the onion rings are absolutely delicious uh and when things open up again they got a killer craft beer menu love marish because it's like an old fashion supper club you will love marish because if you've not been before go there for the first time support these businesses uh during this time because they really really need it they've been there since 1933 and they need your help to stick around so marishkas.com or facebook.com slash marishkas we're going to take a quick time out catch our breath uh if you want to hit up that tip jar like some people have already i know florida hawks fan left a tip i these the chat scrolls really fast so we can't see everybody but uh, the tips are very much appreciated. So whatever you can give, a buck, five bucks, ten bucks, it's all very welcome. James and I uh, very much appreciate it. We'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I'm Jay Zawoski. That's right, right there. That's James Naveau. This is what we look what like. Up, what up, friends? Now you know why we typically do, um, you know, audio only because i'm not handsome but i got proby on my shirt proby that helps yep, i'm repping obvious shirts tonight if you guys ever need them they're a great company free free promotion for them i love obvious shirts they're the best i have my the best the greatest game ever played was or the greatest game ever was played on a wednesday in cleveland that's my favorite obvious shirts but dr squatch our new partner you guys have heard me talking about dr squatch for a few weeks here's the thing i'm going to read you from Madhouse listener Chad, 
I'm not going to do the read. I'm just going to let Chad do it for me. He said, after hearing one of your commercials for Dr. Squatch Soap, my teenage son bought me a sample pack for Father's Day. I'm usually a, insert brand name here, guy, <laughs> and I probably wouldn't have splurged on this for myself, but the soap feels and smells great, and there's something extra manly about having a solid brick of soap in your hands in the shower, and the most important part, my wife loves it too. <laughs> Feel free to add any part of that to your, to your on-air read if you'd like. Chad, thank you so much. Chad's out in Cape Cod. Dr. Squatch, a natural soap company. This week, they just launched their line of toothpaste like two days ago. This came out. DrSquatch.com. Take that Squatch quiz on the top right to find the products that work best for you. Most importantly, use that promo code MADHOUSE when you order. You'll save. It'll help us out, too. We very much appreciate it. Here's a couple tips from me, a Dr. Squatch lifer. The pine tar is the flagship soap. That's like their most popular. Smells amazing. Smells like a tree. You'll be very manly smelling. My favorite is the uh, cold, co uh, the cold brew cleanse, which is a chocolate coffee scented soap and the cool fresh aloe. Those are my three favorites. And you're going to want to get that soap saver to protect your investment. DrSquatch.com promo code madhouse. All right, James, we got a few more minutes to go here. Thank you, everybody, for joining us in the chat. Thanks for joining us here on Hot Mike. Hopefully, we can do a couple more of these. I know the games are real, real late, um, but hey, we're doing post games anyway. So, on Hot Mike, uh, if you want to hit up that tip jar, we'd greatly appreciate it. Going forward, anything you're changing in the next uh, in for game two? Anything that on your mind, James, that needs to be adjusted personnel wise? Um, I don't think so. I mean, other than maybe giving like a guy like Lucas Carlson a look at some point, like that maybe is like the only thing I would consider. But I mean, out. yeah, that's, that's the problem. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like uh, Adam Boquist had five shot attempts, I believe, tonight had three that ended up on nets. So you probably want to leave him in. He's one of your best offensive drivers. I do like the chemistry that he has with Duncan Keith. Maybe you take out Slater Cuckoo, but he had three. I mean, he had three hits tonight. He had a block shot like Slater Cuckoo is not hopefully not going to be the reason you win or lose a game. Like, I feel no. like he, I feel like <laughs> yeah. he played well enough to continue to be in the lineup. Like, that's I don't know, maybe like the only swap I would consider. Like, I'm like, or maybe I don't know, maybe Matthew Highmore draws out. Like, these are very, yeah, they're just, yeah, peripheral. Middling, like peripheral things. Like, there's not. I'm not making any changes to the top line, obviously. I no, don't know. I don't think you change the second line after this game either. I, I just think that maybe you uh, obviously have to shore some stuff up on the penalty kill. Like, I'm not sure exactly what you can do other than, oh, I don't know, not commit penalties. That's probably yes. going to be like the best strategy advice I can give to the Chicago Blackhawks <laughs> in this series. But outside of that, like, I just don't, I don't think there are a lot of like strategic decisions that Chicago needs to make here. Like, am I missing something? Like, I just, I feel like those like little peripheral changes are the only ones I would even consider at this point. Yeah, you're right. And and one guy I haven't mentioned yet that I should, I think that Olimata, what he lacks in speed, he makes up for in savvy. He knows where to be. He knows how to position his body and his stick to make the safe play. I thought he had a pretty solid game as well. I've not looked at the metrics for him, but again, just the eye test every time I'm like, Oh God, someone's about to go around Mata. He would sort of win that battle and body the guy off or, or force him into the corner. The dude's won two Stanley cups. He's been a decent part of those teams. I think he had a pretty solid game too. And he was kind of my biggest concern 
as far as like the regular no scratch kind of guys go mm-hmm. entering the series because of the speed oh, difference yeah. between the best players in Edmonton and Olimata. Um, but so far, so good. Again, it's one game. I'm not going to overreact to anything one way or the other, um, but pretty pleased with, with his performance uh, tonight as well. So, yeah, just like you, I'm not changing anything. I gotta, I'm really not. I do have to also point out, I did not realize this, and I kind of was watching him, obviously, during the game, but I didn't realize that Calvin DeHaan played 21 minutes in this game tonight. And I thought he looked kind of like sketchy and iffy against yeah. the Blues on Wednesday. He, he looked fine to me tonight. Like, I didn't notice a whole lot bad about his game, honestly. Like, I, you know, just another day at the office for him quietly being one of the uh, better defensemen on this team. Yeah, he 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 played solid. There were a few moments where you can see the rust with him a little bit. Sure. I think in the first period, there were a few moments where I said, hey, you can see him still kind of feeling himself out a little bit, you know. But mm-hmm. is the game on it? And Pierre Maguire, the bearded Pierre Maguire, by the way. <laughs> The only one in the bubble, by the way, bad news. They're not letting him out after the, uh, (laughs) they're actually going to fill the place between the glass with COVID and then seal it off. And then it's like, you, you took this to a level. I'm just not comfortable with. I know. Speaking of, I wouldn't be mad though. If the penis headed man was speaking of not at that level and not feeling comfortable with things. Do we want to mention, do you think Drake Kajula is getting a game for that hit on Tyler Ennis? No, I don't think so either. It was close, but I don't think he gets it. I think that uh, Ennis bent into it just a little bit, but I also do think that Kajula had an opportunity to pull up more than he did. I would consider it very borderline. I'd say maybe give him a call and then like probably fine him is what I'm guessing would happen. Yeah, maybe. Oh, and the, uh, um, why am I blanking? Who did uh, Doc skate over? Oh, why am now I'm blanking? Uh, chase on? Was it chase on? Alex chase on? When he was chasing after uh, Doc on that one. <laughs> you, didn't uh, that. you didn't have to do that. Well, you now you can see me. You can see the disappointment. COVID. So it was, thank you, Rob. It was Ennis. Man, Ennis sucked. <laughs> he had all sorts of bad things happen to him tonight. Not related to Curtis I don't think. No. Does he fumble the puck a lot? I don't know. That's yeah. a dated reference. We, we, we're trying to skew younger, James. Come on. But we're old. We are old. That's true. Yeah. All right. By the way, you said someone said called me classist in the chat. I called you classist in the chat, and somebody agreed with me. Yes. I just like everyone to see the palatial Madhouse Studios, a.k.a. Jay Zawoski's trash dump room. <laughs> there you go there's a box of diapers on there you can see that that's not a picture of my daughter as james thought that's a bag that actually says madhouse on it which is pretty cool there's Minnie mouse over there yeah this is my trash room slash podcast studio so mm. maybe next time i'll shut the door or i can slap the uh banner up there behind me that might look a little bit better maybe next time i'll put my bookshelf behind me on the uh set here but i don't have it i don't have the camera position right all i've got behind me tonight's a clock that's pretty good. We know what time it is the entire time. Well, that's time. Gonna, let's wrap things up. I want to thank our, our original sponsor, Triple Threat Sports. They're out there in uh, Mokina making masks, making jerseys, printing up anything you need. Uh, as far as sports equipment goes or masks, you need a Hawks mask. You need a Motley Crew mask. They can make it for you. Hit up Chris at TripleThreatSports.com, 708 478 
888-646-6090. If you can wear it, Triple Threat Sports can make it. Thank you so much for listening to our live and joining us and watching us mm-hmm. on this live edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We'll let you know. Okay, game two prediction first. Nate wants to know. You want to make a prediction? <laughs> I called you bougie. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Look at that. <laughs> There's just crap all around me. So you're like, bougie. Literally. You hate fans. Mm-hmm. You you hate fun. Like, whatever, man. Uh, anyway, sorry. Before this gets too far off the rails, I think Edmonton ties the series 1-1. I, I'm not saying that because I don't believe in the Blackhawks. I think it'll be a closer game than this game was. I just think that Edmonton ekes it out and they uh, tie this series back up as the series prepares to shift back to Edmonton for game three when the Blackhawks will be the home team. Yes, that's a very weird thing to say and actually, and factually correct. It was, it was deliberately <laughs> weird. I deliberately said it that way. But I did see somebody pointed out earlier that... uh I believe it was Puck Jim said that the Oilers have to use the visiting dressing room for games three and four in this series and the Blackhawks get to use their home. Is there really that big of a difference? I would just want to stay where I've been. I think it just feels safer that way. That's what I would do. But whatever. Who cares? Um, Oh, I got to make a prediction. Experts. That's what it is. I'm going to predict the Hawks win game two as well. And here's why. Because it just got scary enough at the end for the Hawks to not get complacent. Mm. I think Corey Crawford's going to be better. I think the penalty kill is going to be better. Uh, five on five, the Hawks are a better team. I, it, but, but watch the game. It was on display. The Hawks are a better five on five team, and we thought that going in that they're at least even, right? The Hawks proved that they're a better team. And look, you can say, oh, Edmonton wasn't ready, or their legs were under them. Fine, that could be valid, but. Uh, I like the Hawks in game two. I think with a better Corey Crawford and a slightly better penalty kill, the Hawks can win again. Uh, remember, the Hawks penalty kill was top 10 this year. They're not a trash penalty kill like they were last season. They can actually keep the puck out of the net a little bit. So, they could have fooled me tonight. Seriously. But if they can tighten up the penalty kill a little bit and stay dominant or close to dominant on five on five, I think they're going to be doing a really good job. By the way, Puck Jim asked, are we not allowed to do this during the game? We are allowed to do it during the game. Here's why we can't. I tried to have James come here so we could do it in my backyard. Yep. Obviously, we're not welcoming people into our homes. We're being very responsible during this whole thing. Could not get a strong enough Wi-Fi signal outside to guarantee that it would work well. If we did it like this during the game, somehow James and I would have to get our screens to sync up, which is impossible because I'm on Hulu. He's on Comcast. And we'd have to be like, okay, pause it now. Okay, hit play. And then we trying to get on cue would not work well. I think this is the best way to do it. This is fun. Um, but maybe we can try, one of us can try a solo game. Maybe I can do one. James can do the other. We'll work it through. We'll talk it out. But uh, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for filling the tip jar. Uh, really appreciate it. We got 50 bucks raised so far. So thank you, everybody, for joining into that. Uh, it makes us well worth, it makes it worth our while to do it. Uh, when you guys fill that tip jar. So thank you so much. We'll talk to you uh, after the next game on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks for joining us here on Hot Mike. And if you're listening to the podcast and you didn't watch the broadcast, download the free Hot Mike app, use that promo code Madhouse, and join us next time for the broadcast. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys very, very soon. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop.